0: Hello and welcome to the Pint Talks Podcast, where two old friends chat about the world over a pint. In this episode, we discuss how COVID and the lockdowns have changed the way we do and think about work, both for individuals and businesses. We also discuss how things have changed in regards to automation and job outsourcing.
1: So today we want to talk about COVID and how it's impacting our work and, and our world. So to get us started, I figured we could start with like how, how has COVID impacted our, our jobs and our work. Um, so I work at a technology company, I'm a designer, and COVID impacted me quite a bit. Uh, I would say I still have a job, so that's, that's been sort of the good part of it, obviously. Uh, so in some sense, I'm still doing the same job as before. So no giant impact some people are much more impacted but the way I work has definitely changed Um, typically you know I'm an in-house designer so I work with the same team in the same building with more or less the same people every day for years and years and and so now I don't I no longer go into the office I work remotely So, so that's been a huge impact I moved from going to work every day having a about an hour and a half commute I live in Seattle and then to, to just being remote, fully remote. I haven't seen my team in, what is it, nine months now? So it's definitely been a huge impact in that sense. How about you? How's, uh, how, how's that impacted your job? Well,
0: not really, to be honest. Uh, so I'm a scientist and I work on disease detection. That includes COVID. So if anything, my work has become more. Uh, the one big change is I suppose that I am on my own sometimes or I was during lockdown. I was on my own every day all day at in the lab but uh, I'm pretty i was even the during the height of lockdown, I was considered an essential worker because I do research on covid so if anything yeah i've I've been lucky like you that i not only has there not been a stop in my work, but there's actually been an uptick. And yeah, that's general,
1: generally how that went. Well, so the workload thing is interesting because uh, I would say like, I, I don't know if I've had an uptick in my work, but you know the work is going on. I'm just doing it from home. So I definitely haven't seen any sort of a slowing of my work. Hmm. It's, if anything, it's actually probably more accelerated because in some sense, I feel like, I don't know, m- when we're all working from home, I've noticed that, for example, people kind of schedule meetings pretty late. Uh, you know, for, I never used to get like a 5.30 or a 6 p.m. meetings, you know, on a daily basis. Well, I used to, I guess, occasionally get those, but like mm. kind of rare thing. Now it seems like that's a normal thing to do because, you know, no one has commuted. Uh, people, there's always work to be done. So there's always like some need to have a meeting that's like always critical, like 6 p.m. But, you know, when we, we also had to catch the bus as well, in, uh, you know, in the past, pre-COVID. So, you know, normally people know that, okay, if 5 o'clock's your bus, you're not going to really take a 5 o'clock meeting. So, yeah. so there was this sort of unwritten rule that you don't really schedule things like after 5 o'clock unless you absolutely have to. And so now I feel like even though my workload's been the same, somehow the intensity has changed. Uh, and it's not necessarily because my employer is like pushing us more or something. It's just like the employees are scheduling calls or like we used to have this thing called lunch break. Uh, what is this lunch break? 30, to 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, you know, and now it's, it's just gone. It's completely gone. It's like my noons, I'm eating during working or I'm not eating till like three o'clock. So Definitely if I understand you, happening. if
0: I understand you correctly, it's like a free for Your Your work structure has kind of gone out the window.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Like the mornings are also out, you know, it used to be like, okay, 9am is pretty much when you should have the first sort of a big meeting at the earliest because, you know, usually people are in before that, but you know, some people might not be people are drop off kids and all that. And so, hmm. so typically we wouldn't do that, but now it's like, well, you could see an eight o'clock meeting just because people are, people are scheduling. Has your work changed in that sense, in terms of the structure of what you do?
0: Not really, because science is always very, it's, it's usually very freeform. So you kind of do when you want, how you want. So long as the work gets done, people rarely ask questions. The only thing that is a little bit different is, you know, we get uh, meetings, obviously, because they, they involve multiple people, as meetings tend to do. So those have cha- were changed a little bit during COVID because usually you have work meetings. And since I was the only one working... <laughs> They turned more into, um, you know, social meetings like check-ins, etc. Uh, but that was a major change for me. Now, the one other thing is that you're more allowed to work from home. Like, it, it's not that you were forbidden before, but now it's a little bit, you know, less people mind less. But again, that's not a huge change.
1: So, but, so, you mentioned you're doing research on COVID. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing, and I guess also you talked how you, you work alone now. Like, is that normally how you did it before COVID? Or was there like a different setting before COVID happened?
0: Well, okay, the, uh, working, it really depends on the project. So that it could be like you could do work with for four or five projects at a time sometimes, and it depends on the project. Now, what I meant by working alone in this case was I was literally alone on the whole floor, sometimes in the whole building. It was me and the cleaning crew. That was pretty much the people i saw all day in terms of what research i do well, we're into disease detection so we work on rapid tests and i've been working on uh, rapid antigen tests
1: and that's test for for covid yeah detection yeah tests. well okay.
0: technically it's a test for sars cov2 which is the virus yeah so what's the difference with when i say covid like ah, is there a difference covid is the disease meaning? covid is the disease and COVID is caused by SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus. So the difference is, for example, when you say a cold, a cold is a disease. It is related to several viruses. Uh, for example, 10% of uh, common colds are caused by coronaviruses, by commonly occurring coronaviruses. So in that way, COVID, which is a type of pneumonia, is caused by SARS-CoV-2. Sure.
1: And is there like, don't want to dig, too deep into this but is there like a way of detecting covid then that's different from the the SARS to whatever the virus detection tests in general is there such concept of detecting a disease
0: yes so what you're basically asking about is uh can you detect the disease versus the virus and right in this case sort of uh okay let me just so you have clinical detection and then you have laboratory detection. Clinical detection, you look at symptoms, you look at uh, clinical signs, and then you, that's the most common type of you know, diagnose, diagnosis. For a lab detection, you typically send a sample off. So clinically, COVID is very hard to detect because the most common symptoms are cough, sore throat, you know, headache, fever. They're very common. So it could be a common cold, for all you know. They're very hard to distinguish for other things. Right. And by the time that you have something more specific, it's you're already in a very advanced state. Uh, so yes, you could, but it's very difficult. Or you could detect COVID and not the virus, sort of.
1: Uh, okay, so very- typically when we hear tests about COVID, they really mean test about the virus, virus. that yes. causes the COVID yes, yes. disease. So COVID right, is so a
0: bit of a is a bit of a funny beast in this sense because the disease is actually linked to the specific virus. When if you talk about flu or cold, that's a little bit different.
1: Right, different in the way that multiple viruses can, exactly. can cause the same disease. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you're essential and that's why you're still working there. Yeah. Are you essential because You're working on COVID tests specifically? Yes, exactly. I was just really asking because the whole notion of being essential is a little murky to me of like who's considered essential. Uh, I'm certainly not, which is kind of straightforward because I can design from home. And then there's the other obvious cases where, you know, grocery workers or, you know, Mm -hmm. doctors and like sort of firefighters. And, you know, you can imagine who the obvious essential people are. But then there's this group of people that are kind of like, you know, a little bit like, like you. Like, are they really considered essential? Like, what is it? What does that status even grant you? Yeah. Um, versus, you know, the
0: rest of us. Yeah. I've actually kind of followed a few lawsuits in there. Um, so, lawsuits are a good way to see, which, uh, to sort of chisel out or, or put better form around the laws that exist. And I've been following a few of those around COVID. And how exactly of what essential is? And I'm mostly familiar with the United States, right? And there have been several here. There have been one in Michigan, in Pennsylvania. Uh, There was um, now a big one in New York, which is going ahead. Which was talking about, you know, the again uh, the definition of essential and essential business. And I think essential employee and business are sort of related. And so here the big thing is that. I don't think that there is any standardized version of essential. So you can it can mean whatever the specific location decides. So the the, the essential in New York is different from that in Massachusetts, or California or Florida, and it's probably different to that in France. Um, right. So that's confusing, right? It's very confusing, confusing the hell out of me. Yeah. So one so one thing I heard that they're doing in in France, I believe, is that they are no it was in bulgaria that they're forbidding big businesses from operating like big chains uh the closing down the non-food section so the non-essential section and they're allowing smaller businesses to operate on a reduced capacity yeah so that was in bulgaria that they're doing that
1: okay so they're letting the smaller businesses on reduced capacity meaning they deem them essential but not the, the big chains yeah. So why do you think? Why do you think is that?
0: Well, they want to protect their small businesses because typically big chains are multinational, whereas smaller businesses are local. So if you want to get taxes, if you want to get more taxes, and to keep the jobs local,
1: you might want to protect smaller businesses. Right. So it's an economic, sort of decision. Probably. But, but yeah. I guess when I when I think about in general about essential workers versus, not essential is. I think of you know the people that we can't really live without right we think about the, the people being essential it's kind of different than okay maybe the restaurants are open it's 25 percent or 50 let's say in seattle that doesn't mean that they're considered essential it just means like okay these are the rules now for restaurants but essential workers are this separate group in my in my understanding that are just like you know the doctors and the teachers and all these, like, it's a whole Street different kind of, right. So I was wondering, like in your job, uh, has your actual number of hours changed? Because like for us, I know that we did this survey at work and it showed that people are working longer hours than before. And for, for some reason COVID has, has made us work longer.
0: For me, it kind of depends. If I am working from home, I'm awful at this, so I get distracted by whatever, and I think my productivity really plummets. Whereas if I'm in the lab, I'm actually more productive and might work longer because, especially if I'm alone, because I don't have anybody there. Usually I'm more senior, so people come to me all the time and ask me questions, etc. So if I don't have to do that, then it's, uh, it's much faster and easier for me to do stuff on my own. Uh, how so about, you work,
1: you yeah. work longer when you're at your job. Is, is, am I getting yeah, this right?
0: Yeah, I well, this has to do with just the kind of person I am. I just ha- kind of find it very difficult to focus at home. So you might have a good day, but then there's a lot. Most of the time, I can't focus, and I really think this is kind of a personality. Like I know a lot of people. This is a common debate which we would have had, and I know a lot of people which would prosper to work at home and some that find it very difficult?
1: Well, so for me, it's been, you know, I'm definitely one of those people that, that prospers at home. Uh, partially because, you know, the, the way my, my brain thinks, you know, past certain point, let's say I work, let's say two, three hours of focused work. I can't be focused anymore. You know, I need a break. Maybe it's a, it's a walk. Maybe it's just like a short break. And, and sometimes at work, just because the way things are, you, you generally have less time. So, you know, because you have the commute, you have like certain, I would say, even intra-building commute where I have to go to another building to take a meeting. And so usually I tend to have a lot less time for focused work, uh, you know, just walking between meetings. I would say I tend to have less time for these breaks. And when I don't take these breaks, I lose productivity. And and naturally, you know, I have deadlines. That's kind of how I am sort of uh, motivated to work through deadlines that are sometimes self-imposed, sometimes you know, just the business requires them. I tend to work longer hours because if I lose productivity because of fatigue or some, whatever it is, I need to, I need to make it up somehow, right? I still have the deadline. Deadline is not going to move for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you can, but you know, sometimes you can't. So then it's. I actually I feel like I'm more productive at home, and I and I work less, uh, a little bit less, uh, just because you know I take the break when I need the break and I focus yeah. when I need focus. Well, for me as well, there's the other difference that the
0: work I do in the lab and at home is obviously different, right? At, in the lab, usually I ha- when I go there, it's lab work. So do A, B, C, D, it's manual work. Whereas at home, it's to do with writing, reading, and things that, you know, maybe are not the most fun to do and, and take a while for you to warm up to them. So that might also be a contributing factor
1: so would you say okay so you i guess since you can work both in in person there going to your job and working from home you kind of alluded that you you do more of the boring tasks or hard to get yourself to do tasks at home is that how you kind of end up studying? not by choice
0: um it's just i can't if i am at home for example there was about two weeks initially in the in the uh lockdowns when we didn't know you know are they going to close research are they keep research open who's going to be allowed to go into the university etc so it was about 2 weeks there that i had to be at home because there was no real guidelines on anything and the only thing you can i can do at home is uh do paperwork read write that sort of thing plan maybe you know do presentations but i can't do lab work i can't actually go in and obviously bring chemicals in, in home or now, would I have the equipment.
1: Right. So, so if you are to, if you live in a world where you can make up exactly the portion that you work at home versus in the lab, what would you choose today based on what you've learned so far? If I had an office
0: at work and then I had obviously the lab there, that would be the best way because it. You kinda need to be there. Uh, if you're not, it's it gets complicated. It's mostly to do with other people being there. If I have somebody like a student or a PhD or whatever, and they can't find something, they can't do something, they're struggling with something, I need to be there to go and say, Okay, now we do this, now we do that. You know, um, especially even more so for safety's sake, because sometimes
1: there's something breaks. Yeah, I mean I can relate to that for sure. I think when I need help or I need to give someone else help on my team, it, it tends to be easier in person, um, you know, I, for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like, um, you know, my job is sort of digital. You know, we work on computers, so we can still share quite effectively our, you know, you can share a screen and, uh, you know, I can see what you're doing. So I don't really need to be next to you. And yet it, it still feels like, you know, with current technology, less, you know, we, we work through in our case microsoft teams but you know like it's sort of the same experience or very similar with with other tools like zoom um it, it you know you lose part of the the body language you you lose part of the communication is a little bit chopped up i'd say you know where you don't you're not really sure if someone's going to continue the sentence or someone else is going to start talking in. over each other <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh, no, I agree with you, and I, I definitely
0: think there's a big difference in in communication, and not only in, you know, it's not for me. It's not so much informative as in the information that you convey, but it is more to do with uh, how you can personalize with people, and I think that's a big that would be one of the bigger changes for me now with uh, working remotely. So not only because of COVID at the moment that we have to, but if more jobs go remote. I think that would be one of the major challenges for employees, where you ha- you maybe can't relate to the people you work with anymore, and not as much anyway. And you sit there at home all day, every day, you don't go out, you know, because you're at work, and then you have to take care of dinner or whatever you do. And I think that, in my mind, that would be one of the major
1: challenges with remote work. So, so I think just a couple of things there. Um, So to to start unraveling it, I guess you you mentioned being able to relate to people. I think what I'm experiencing with that is, you know, if I've already built a relationship with somebody pre-COVID, I don't really have a problem with, you know, my connection to that person. Uh, Even though it's remote, it still feels, they still feel relatively close to me. You know, I can still talk to them You know, relatively the same way I've talked to them before, but there's the whole aspect to it where when you have new employees come in or you know new colleagues, then if I haven't you know I have a few team members where I have never met them in person, and I would say you know I still get you know I still get close to them I still work with them, but but it doesn't necessarily feel the same you know it's it feels a little bit different. It's like you've never had those casual conversations together, you've never learned. I mean you haven't learned much about each other outside of work. I think you learn a lot about those things just like when you meet someone in the hallway or the cafeteria or yeah you know there's a lot more that I've learned about about uh, you know my colleagues that I know from the past in person. So I feel like that's been one of the challenges for me with like people I don't know particularly. Yeah. Well, I think this is I'm more even talking
0: sort of trying to look at features permanent changes that covid will bring. And I think one of those changes would be uh, more work will be remote or remote work will be more common. So I don't know if you'll have entirely remote work or, or just partial or how or it'd be a hybrid or something. But I think COVID has definitely stripped away some of the stigma related to working from home because we've had to, like companies have had to face that now. And it's it, they've seen that it's not that scary and that work still gets done, or at least I, that's what i've heard from various sources um i don't know do you do you know how your company is doing or are they preferring online are they looking to maybe continue remote work beyond covid so
1: you know i work in in the tech industry and you know there, there's the companies are doing different things for sure it, it still feels like there's not going to be one consensus uh one thing that my company is doing is they've made it very clear that they do not want to or in the you know, foreseeable future don't intend to, the way our CEO says it is, replace one dogma with another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not moving to remote permanently uh, in order to, I don't know, save on costs or whatever. Uh, one thing that they've really stressed, and I think we'll see a degree to that in, in probably every employer or many, many employers, is there's going to be a degree of flexibility more where you have the, the ultimate sort of a utopian version of it is anything that the employee wants will be available. So if the employee wants to work in person every time from any location, they can go to any office location. Or if they want to work totally remotely from a maybe even a distant country in a different time zone, they'll be allowed to do that. Now, I don't know to what extent that will be implemented. I think that's yet to see, uh, both in my company as well as in, in the industry and sort of in the world as a whole. But I think we're seeing a lot more of these companies announcing certain flexibility that will kind of be, it's kind of here to stay. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think
0: I, I kind of agree with you. I see the same trend that more flexibility is going to come up. Uh, what would be very interesting for me is if there will be different rules for different, let's say that you have two teams and one team is only remote and one team is only there. And I'm purposely putting two extremes. And if there will be different rules, like different metrics for how you measure their performance, do you have, for example, for you, how do they measure your performance at the moment? Is it the same as it was pre-COVID?
1: It's a good question.
0: Yeah, I think...
1: Of course it's a good question. I asked it. Right. You you get one good, you know, every two podcasts. (laughs) Anyways. uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the way I measure this... You know, there's a number of factors that have been preset, you know, that sort of, if you talk about sort of my performance review of, you know, which is something I have to do twice a year. And generally, you know, I go through a number of things that I've done throughout the last, you know, six months. And I discuss with my manager and they tend to, you know, promote people based on that or, you know, determine bonuses and kind of like give you feedback. Um, if you talk in terms of that, that hasn't changed at all. Uh, it is the same things that are, you know, I will say they're relatively standard, where we have things like business impact, um, you know, collaboration and teamwork, effectiveness, you know, speed and things like that. So nothing really has changed in terms of that. Uh, So yeah, I mean, it's I don't think there's generally been going to be a difference in terms of that because we still need to make, you know, the business impact. We still need to be inclusive and empathize with our, our colleagues and our customers and others we, we still need to sort of show the same character and the same you know work ethic yeah but but how you achieve that i would say will have to change because it is going to be a little different you know it's um f- for example how do you stay motivated will have to change because if you're working remotely sort of your whole life i think you alluded to this a little bit earlier your whole life kind of changes right Your the whole dynamic of it. yeah have a commute is different, you can work on different locations. That definitely changes everything.
0: I think there, yeah, one big change here could be if you allow to do a lot. A lot of people would move away from big cities, at least in my mind. Like if I had the choice of staying somewhere further away, maybe in a nicer place for the same rent and working remotely, I think that
1: would be a good option. So it's definitely hard for me to imagine staying in a, in a big city, you know, right now I live in Seattle. It's hard for me to imagine staying in the city if I don't have to, uh, you know, work here in person. Hmm. Um, just because, you know, big cities have a lot of issues, right? I mean, I can see it for some people, but some of the issues include, you know, it's it's loud, it's expensive, the commute is insane, uh, there's a lot of crime. So there's all kinds of issues related to living in a big city. Now, there's also upsides. You know, cities are very vibrant. They could they could show you a great, uh, you know, cultural mix. There's a lot going on. It's it's fun. You know, young people tend to prefer living in cities, and so I, c- I can see some people still really, or probably everyone, needing to find that in in one way or another. You know, the sense of community, the sense of you know, meeting people and having fun. I, people will still need to be able to do that, no matter what. But do we really all need to be cramped in these little, super expensive apartments and have two and a half hour commutes every day yeah i don't i'm not sure i was
0: yeah i think no amount of uh, nightlife is worth living in a five by five apartment in new york or something for like three thousand dollars a month and i'm being hyperbolic depends who you are
1: depends who you are
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm being hyperbolic but you know i don't know. for me that's one of the things i i prefer having a little bit more space
1: yeah i mean it's a tricky thing right As a, as a designer you know i've always felt like cities are very inspirational. You know, I feel more excited when I see cultural diversity. Um, sort of my nightmare scenario is to live in a suburb where everyone has sort of the same house, uh, you know, and, and everything looks the same. And there's a place where we live and there's a place where we eat and, you know, everything's super ordered. And, and that, that kind of order frightens me. So I kind of like the, the chaos a little bit that cities bring. I don't know, I might miss it, I'm not sure, but it's certainly, like you're saying, there's a huge price that you're paying with that. So for some people, it might not make any sense at all. I've definitely seen that there have been a
0: lot of reports now with COVID, people moving away from cities, especially, I suppose, part of it is businesses being lost or closed and people cannot afford big cities anymore. And it's not overly surprising because there's big cities have probably doubled or tripled in terms of rent in the last 10 to 20 years. Like in a few decades, they have increased immensely in terms of cost of living. And salaries have not necessarily kept up with
1: that. Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: That's one thing that I would be very curious as well is with more remote work, will your salary be dependent on where you live? Like, would they be paying somebody who lives in the middle of nowhere cheaply less or or not for the same so there's amount some
1: interesting There's interesting data coming on that. Uh, certain companies have announced publicly what's happening with that still vaguely but for example facebook they've announced that they would be adjusting people's salaries based on where they're living from and that's really received a lot of backlash from some employees that are looking to move naturally because mm-hmm. they're the ones affected but the argument for you know not adjusting salary is like well i'm doing the exact same work i did yesterday i'm just doing it from utah instead of from san francisco or menlo park like why the heck would you cut my salary by 30%? Makes no sense. You know, and then there's the other side to it where, well, part of why your salary is so high here is because the cost of living is insane. Mm. Yeah. And that's why we're paying this extra premium so we can attract you to work for us.
0: So that's part of it, partially why I'm, I'm wondering. I even wonder if maybe small, maybe not big businesses, but smaller, medium-sized businesses would adopt a more flexible mindset to attract more talent because you want you know usually you are if you're not google or facebook you may struggle a little bit to find the best of the best so especially in in computers and, and computer design etc so would uh, some people say well we'll we'll maybe pay a little bit less
1: but we'll allow you to work from wherever you want yeah i think it'll be a competitive advantage i agree and i think it even goes beyond sort of small businesses that are having a hard time. I think any business that does not offer a degree of flexibility will lose from this. I think these will be the big losers because enough places are going to do that. The big ones are offering it. Imagine sort of the, the fan companies or you know sort of the big tech companies where we're talking about you know Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, or in such companies. If most of them allow flexibility, but just say one of them does not, hmm. uh, they will probably be at a huge loss for talent. Because, you know, that's kind of the same thing that happened with, with Perks, where, you know, Google, I think it was sort of the first big company that started doing that. I mean, they started when they were early, but, you know, they offered free food. And now if you go to California, many, many companies have free food. Why? Because everyone really cares about offering free food and they feel like that's the best thing. No, it's becoming a standard. It's becoming a competitive advantage for Google. If you don't do it, maybe you would lose talent. So talents, I think they really fight for the top talent. So that's what I feel like. Just like free food, flexibility of where you work from would become one of those things that are sort of standard
0: yeah that's an interesting point um i wonder how that would impact the other jobs outside of the tech industry most essential work if you think about it cannot be done remotely like that's why that was i think one of their big standards for what is essential
1: what isn't Can't do it remotely then it's yeah, if it's if it's yeah. it can be done remotely, it's not really essential. Yeah. So no point of exception in a sense. It's to be important work, but not essential in the sense like you'll still be open no matter yeah. what the situation of COVID is.
0: There was a lot of yeah, so I wonder how they will impact outside of the tech industry. Like would you have a lot of, let's say, HR personnel or marketing people? Oh like, sorta, the non tech folks.
1: So I guess there's like a few aspects to it. Like first is the sort of the non-tech roles inside of tech companies. And then there's the non-tech companies altogether. Yeah, I mean, I would say a lot of them don't have to be in person. For example, my accountant doesn't really have to be in person. It's already actually... I feel like accounting was one industry that was already kind of going in the way of, you can upload everything online. They can kind of do the work for you. I mean, I still went in person for whatever reason, uh, maybe because you like their company, yeah, I I love their company. Absolutely. (laughs) Especially since taxes, love their accountant. So you would see a lot of that move online. I think one thing that's been very interesting, particularly now when we're talking about outside of tech is doctors where I used to, you know, go to the doctor's office talk to the doctor and the doctor usually maybe if, if, if I have some sort of a condition there'll be some tests that have to be done so I kind of go through labs or you know whatever equipment is needed to do the test then I see the doctor again to discuss the results and there's like a follow-up maybe you know like a like a typical thing when you have some medical condition you know it could vary a lot but for the most part probably half of these visits don't require me to go in person to talk over results doesn't have to be in person maybe the initial checkup I can still see a value depending on what my symptoms are. The labs are not going to go away, but that's sort of a separate location. But I can feel like Teledoc and other type of software, you know, or just speaking through Zoom or something like that, can really transform medicine in a sense, at least in that aspect of sort of going in person. And that can maybe help create more access for that.
0: I think that's a, that would be a very big thing. That's one of the bigger impacts of COVID maybe in the medical world. One of the impacts of COVID in the medical field in general are yeah, more remote diagnosis and more remote visits, doctoral visits, which are, okay, in big cities, usually it's not a big problem, though there's a lot of cues and, and I'm sure everybody who's been to the doctor has been in a in a waiting room for hours. But more so from remote areas where you have to drive like an hour to go see a doctor, like in that way you would be, or there are very few doctors where there's a shortage, because usually...
1: Even in the cities we
0: drive for an hour... <laughs> All right, point, point taken. But I more mean, like in areas where there may actually be fewer doctors or less qualified doctors. If you need to see a specialist, that's not available everywhere. So that would be an interesting impact. Yeah.
1: For sure. Yeah. That that can definitely be one of the positive impacts, I guess, of COVID. Yeah. I want to circle back to, to a point kind of you made earlier about the non sort of these, as I described them, the non tech workers in tech companies, like how they work. And I think from what I've seen so far, you know, HR or most sort of workers, marketing, you know, those, I think my company is pretty much operating, you know, almost 100% remotely now. Hmm. So in terms of, and we're not losing productivity uh, based on the reports that I've seen. So it, it seems to me like if we have to, we can go fully remote as proven by the current crisis pandemic. But do we really want to is, a, is another question.
0: Well, I didn't even mean like non-tech workers in the tech industry, but I meant like overall, even outside of the tech industry, because a lot of companies have HR, a lot of companies have a marketing department, you know. a lot of, Sadly, I think it's going to be one of those things that a lot of the white color work will be able to be done remotely, whereas a lot of the blue color work would be localized and will, you'd have to come in. Like that would that seems to be a trend to me, because if you are like maybe, obviously there's exceptions right a doctor has to be there right? has to be a nurse same thing uh, scientists obviously have to be there, or at least a lot of scientists have to be there M- management office personnel I mean, why wouldn't they be able to work from home
1: so what is the factor that would kind of drive that? Is it requirement to use certain machinery for example is that going to be the
0: key or where the task is. I mean, tasks can be located in
1: specific locations. Like if you have to clean the street, you have to clean the street. Right. Certainly when you're impacting the environment that you work in, as opposed to impacting a remote location, if I can abstractly put it so... For doctors,
0: obviously, you have to be in a location where you are findable, especially for
1: experts, you know, like radiologists. But But aren't you... So what do you mean by you have to be in a location that you're findable
0: you are obviously, as a doctor, as a nurse, you are required. So if people want uh, need something from you, they can come and find you. For example, if there's an uh, emergency, if there is some, a patient, something's happening to them. Like maybe not all doctors. Like general practitioners could possibly, but then there's a lot of things to do with. Patients have to come to you for diagnostics, right? You, have, they, you go in, they listen to your heart or they listen to your breathing. Like that sort of thing can't really be done remotely.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like it'll take a really long time for that to be you know, unless to, you old, to it, it's not gonna happen. Right. Well but we're seeing some advancements in that, right? I mean it's certainly off topic, but you know, I have a smartwatch that, that tracks my, my pulse now.
0: Mm. Those are not
1: it, yeah, I mean there's a lot of
0: problems with them because not smartwatches in particular, but that's kind of technology like pop medicine, which is the it's not very accurate. So
1: it's, yeah, but it's, it's only going to get better, right? I mean, it's, it's one of those things yeah. where there's been a lot of problems with everything that starts first. I mean, it's kind of like cars, right? It's like first cars were terrible. Now cars are much better. But we're still killing each other on the roads. And then at some point, autonomous vehicles will come and they'll be much, much better again. And so, then at some point, we're going to be like the Jetsons flying on flying you know, cars. Maybe, yeah. The, although there's challenges to that too, but... <laughs> You know, I, I feel like joking. with <laughs> certain technology, like we might make some of these more possible. And I think yeah, yeah. access Maybe. to medicine is probably one of those examples that oh, I see definitely. like as a possibility.
0: But not, definitely not in the foreseeable future. Like one thing, one exception um, is surgeons. Some surgery can be done with robots, but they, they are looking to automate a lot of it. And not necessarily automate, but have surgeons remotely control robots because robots can have a lot smaller parts so they can get in, do a lot less damage to surrounding tissue, fix whatever needs to be fixed without having to worry about opening big spaces so you can see inside physically. So you can use your know, camera sensors and everything to measure a lot of stuff more precisely. That's one, one of the exceptions for the medical fields. But yeah, that's mostly has to be, you have to be there. So for majority of people, I think the uh, remote work is not going to, ne- and by majority of people, I mean the majority of people in the U.S., remote work is not going to make a big difference because that i think the, the majority jobs are in retail trucking uh, and logistics and that those jobs are not really going to be remote
1: well i think i guess what we need to clarify is what time horizon are you are you talking about because with with some things you know they could be remote today you know these are already the things that we're seeing being remote yeah. during covid because whatever we could put remote we've done it but then is this also sort of the beginning of this Digitalization or the acceleration of this process, where we see a lot more companies start working on automating more and more things or remodifying more and more things.
0: Well, I wouldn't put it as remodifying. I would put it as removing. As in, if you if you uh, automate a truck to drive itself, you're not the trucker is not driving it remotely. He's just not driving it, and it's the same also, with retail. So that's
1: that's one example, right? But but there's also the other thing. Um, you know th- there's other things where you can just like you mentioned uh, the surgery right where you yeah you still you still use a surgeon to do it it's just like extending that person to, to a remote location
0: well yeah but remote location doesn't mean at home because usually you know you have to have good injury there's still you no know, that may change with time that that could be changed but at least for the moment, you need a lot of controls that need to be there and you need to have reliable internet or reliable connection anyway, because you can't lose your connection halfway across into a surgery, right? You have to have it fast, etc. So at the moment, from what I, I understand about it, and I'm by, by no means an expert, it's the next room. But conceivably, with maybe 5G and other advancements like that, you could make it across the country, but you'd probably still need a terminal, at least for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, in, in that example, you can you can see that. Um, I think, yeah, for sure 5G is coming, obviously, right? We're we starting to see phones shipping yeah. with those chips. So you'll see other devices equipped with those. Still not closing COVID, though. <laughs> Still not. I think there's going to be an acceleration of it. I think we've seen these trends sort of converging, you know? Yeah. Like one trend is like, okay, now the world's not as afraid of trying things remotely. Yeah. And then also we see things like 5G really kicking in I, I have a feeling that this is going to it's just the beginning of yeah this, more and more i think things going
0: with up. remote work to sort of cap off that topic for me uh remote work is something that was always coming and a lot of this uh 5g and a lot of these advancement zoom obviously was available everything was already in place for us to be able to do for people who can do it to be able to do it and I think the one big thing that COVID did was really accelerate the process, remove a lot of the stigma, a lot of the uh, worries for companies because they had to get in it. I think that was, that was the biggest contribution. It was a catalyst,
1: not so much a cause. Right. So we talked a lot about remote work. Are there other things that you're seeing that are kind of like, well, COVID changed this and probably maybe will have a lasting impact on it? And not that in a sense that it made it remote, but for example, we see airplanes get cleaned all the time, you know, and trains and buses and stuff and restaurants. Like we're seeing like a much better hygiene. We're seeing social distancing more broadly, obviously enforced. Obviously some of that social distancing is uncomfortable and just enforced by by COVID. But like, are we going to see some of that stuff stick? Funnily
0: enough, I think, uh, yeah, I think some of it, will. some of it like the good hygiene and the constant cleaning, I think will not. Because it's it's a lot of effort. And I think if people don't have to do it, a lot of them won't. But one thing that might stick around, which is very interesting, is the design of how workspaces are from architecturally and civil engineering, from that perspective, how they're designed, especially hosp Because COVID has transmitted through the air, uh, not airborne, but through aerosol. And there's a lot of can you research. Describe what the differences
1: what between ah, okay, airborne yeah, and okay. aerosol transmission.
0: Airborne is uh, small droplets which travel very far. So when you talk, you you make you produce droplets of uh, saliva and other fluid, fluid, saliva, uh, and uh, they travel. There's big droplets. There's small droplets. The small droplets travel very far, and can stay in the air for a while. And the big droplets typically are stay within two meters of you. So the closer you are the more of them there is. There's been a lot of research as to the dynamics of those droplets in the air and how ventilation or the lack of ventilation can contribute to disease progression and infection rates. And that research is very interesting from the point of view of designing spaces. So restaurants, hospitals, etc. How do you set up ventilation of those places in such a way as to be effective that you can reduce the infectious rate of that location? So, a lot of the inside, outside, this is how you do it. Like a lot of those restrictions with COVID have to do with that. We if and we'll
1: design buildings in better ways. Uh, exactly. Maybe some of the measures that were now like, oh, we should have designed this building in a, in a yeah. better way to not I spread disease.
0: Especially hospitals would benefit greatly because um, I've seen simulations of how these things spread in elevators, how they spread in rooms, how they spread with the location of the vents. So, that would really impact work from the point of view of the building itself. Would be designed
1: differently so one thing that really makes me think is uh, this um funny feature that tesla cars have that i forgot what it was called but i don't know how much of a gimmick that is versus uh, a real functionality but they, they claim that their filters are are great for their, they have these amazing filters on the tesla cars that are going to prevent from some sort of a exactly like a pandemic type of a thing like a killer virus so i wonder if that's if that would that become like a a standard thing on cars like a super filter well, for cars or is that typically just like, when
0: you when you think about those filters i imagine they filter the air that comes in right whereas that's an odd thing because when the air comes in it comes from a very low concentration outside a lot of air outside to inside where it will accumulate which i suppose i can sort of
1: see it the the reasoning so the for main that. thing you're saying is like the just to be clear it comes from inside meaning from people that are in the car or oh no sorry now um, typically
0: you get infected when you have loads of people in an enclosed space uh, that are sick. Well not loads, but you have people who are sick in a in an enclosed space with poor ventilation. That's how you oh, get. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. So right. I, I mean, wouldn't be so yeah, you just
1: contrasting outdoor places versus indoor places. Yeah. So
0: outside, uh it's not such a big problem because if you're two meters or more apart, especially with COVID, I'm talking about COVID here. Uh, it's not such a big problem because even if you pass somebody, you pass them for a few seconds unless they're singing you know they're not producing a lot of droplets and um, it's very fast and there's a lot of air so the the concentration of the virus would be very small infection has to do with concentration of the virus whereas for Tesla what is odd is if you are recirculating the air in the car that sort of can have an effect because the air is in a in closed location if you have somebody who is sick and that air is continually being recirculated in that car that the, the disease will stay there and over time the air will become more infectious so
1: to speak right which, which is something that happens a lot during the winter right where yeah. you just recirculate air instead of bringing in from the outside yeah so
0: in that case that filter would could could do something but if it's bringing the air from the outside through the filter that seems like a bit a bit of an odd thing because usually that's not how this would go unless you are driving through a diseased area for
1: some reason right there's like a, a virus that's at the yes. next level, World like War 2.0, and it's, it's just coming in from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so I, but yeah,
0: the main, the main argument against those, and the reason those are not standard, is price, obviously. If you have clean rooms, clean rooms tend to have that kind of filter. Actually, I don't know exactly what the filter is because there's several different, but I imagine something like a HEPA filter, the Clean rooms have them because they are there needs to be sterile and they recirculate. And depending on the clean room, they have different systems, but they're expensive.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, of course, prices. Is- Price is always involved with uh, pretty much everything.
0: Well, One thing that, that I'm kind of cautious about long-term is uh, in remote work is actually something we've been talking and hearing more about, which is depression, mental health, uh, substance abuse, interpersonal conflicts, that kind of a problem. And I think that would be with COVID and with remote work, I think that would can be a
1: bigger problem we're seeing well, it is today or called
0: bigger than it used to be before covid
1: yeah if we talk about covid's effect on mental health it certainly feels like you know especially for remote work it can feel isolating you know the more you stay at home and away from social interaction you can be lonely and that can obviously lead to depression and other anxiety yeah. and other disorders yeah for sure i mean it's a big problem for sure uh, one thing that completely stopped for me for example was we used to do happy hours and other things with my team, just like team building yeah. activities. So those things are definitely done. You know, seeing friends is naturally a lot more scarce because, because the disease is uh, yeah. upon us. And just in general, like social activities have decreased like crazy. I mean, I can go to my gym, I can go to a coffee shop, restaurants. Like here right now at the time of recording this in, in Seattle, I believe everything is, is closed for indoor indoor dining. During these lockdowns, I mean, I, it's definitely had a, a toll on me and I think probably has a much much bigger toll on some other people as well.
0: Especially when you talk about mental health, that's already been in the US, that's already been a rising epidemic. And with, with COVID, it's gotten even worse. Sure, yeah. One mm-hmm. thing that I'm more thinking about is even afterwards with remote work, some of that flexibility is great. Because, you know, you can live cheaper, et cetera, or you can, you don't have to move to a different country or depending on how remote, remote, or state. But also a lot of people interact, like you said, basically you interact with people from work, you go for happy hour, you know, you get to know the people you work with. Maybe that improves your, your teamwork as well. Whereas with remote work, be it with COVID or after COVID, I think that would be a serious challenge.
1: So for remote work after COVID, yeah, I think just like something that or before COVID, you know, sort of the what did workers experience, you know, before COVID that did remote work? You know, some of the people I've spoken to tend to, you know, tend to like it, but those are usually the people that do it, you know, and and there's a hell of a lot of people that don't do it because they, they don't like it. Like my wife, for example, could never imagine doing remote work. You know, she hates staying at home. She always wants to be outside. She loves going to the office and, and working with people and meeting people. And so, you know, if she wasn't forced to stay home because of COVID, she was not going to do that for sure. While others, you know, for example, I, I don't really mind it. I've, I've quite enjoyed working from home. I still need that social interaction. You know, I still need to meet people, I'm a social creature <laughs> like all of us. But what I find doing is, you know, I, I feel like I can find it elsewhere. You know, I feel like, you know, work is, It's not necessarily the only place you can find it. It could be difficult for sure, uh, depending on where you live. And if you recently moved somewhere, I would say, it it can also be harder. Yeah. But probably different people will cope differently with this.
0: Yeah. Even for years now, that's been my worry about remote work. Because in a way, we are living in the most popular society and the most lonely society at the same time. And I think on one side, I can... What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is we are a lot of people, but... Most people don't don't most people don't know their neighbor, and that's just sort of to, to illustrate it. Our communities are less developed, let's say. And I think people back in the day used to have a lot more, possibly because they were fewer, used to have a lot more community support. Whereas now we don't. Like I don't. I for for the last ten years I've moved maybe I don't know seven or eight times, and bar one time, I have not known my neighbors, like not even knowing what
1: they look like sometimes. But isn't that a problem? Is because you move, I assume, in many, worse. many ways because yeah, of your job. Possibly. I feel like if maybe in the short term, it will be even, I guess I see it as probably even worse because you just lose that social interaction from work. But if you stick around in the same place, I think that's where you have a chance to really build a community and kind of get to know people And if everyone is kind of living like that and we see less of this sort of nomadic life or or moving, I feel like there's an opportunity to actually build deeper communities locally. Possibly.
0: Yeah, possibly, for sure. And it really, that's what I'm saying, worry is uh, it depends a little bit how things would work. Because if you go for, if we go for a fusion type society, uh, and here we're talking mostly about society, or I am talking mostly about society rather than individual jobs. That sounds
1: creepy fusion type society yeah I mean, <laughs> what is
0: that with the machines yeah from <laughs> cybermen
1: a cyborg society of the yeah. future
0: yeah then doctor who will come in and and have to save us but if we depending on how society goes it might prevent uh, it might present a lot more problems and yeah. the other the other related point is also income inequality what about it well Again, if you have remote work and you pay less for that remote work due to you know you have oh you have more flexibility, they don't need to pay you that much. How will
1: that? Will that? So I always felt like cost? it was. I always felt like that's going to get better because if I'm doing that remote work, um, and and then I'm just I'm really talking more of sort of the immediate future uh, rather than really long term ramifications because it depends on how how side it develops. But like if let's say I work in a I live in a rural area. I have internet, but that's about it. There's no companies there. There's no jobs, not a whole lot, anyway. And I get the opportunity to get a remote work with one it's of the no top trouble. companies in the world. Well, that would be great, right? Like if I get a remote work with like, like a top company, like they might still pay me, obviously according to my area, because my standard of living, like or cost of living is, is lower, then they'll pay me less, sure. But that might still be much better than not having a job. Or having a local job that is not of that caliber.
0: True. But what happens is then, let's say that you are Facebook. And you, may, you put all of your engineers. And I'm just picking Facebook because it's a large multinational. and You're picking all of that can do remote work. And you get all of your engineers remotely and not necessarily outsourced in terms of gig economy and temp jobs, but really they are your employees, your responsibility, et cetera. My guess is what will happen is they'll get, it from, they'll get their employees from countries which are generally cheaper. They have to pay even less. But the flip side of that for Zuckerberg and for the management team of Facebook, for the upper echelon, would be that they will probably not, like the company productivity will not change, the profitability would not change, just the amount of they pay people will change. So, sure, those particular people would be paid something that they weren't before, maybe even higher than they would have been if they worked in a local industry or for another company. But Zuckerberg and the operational will get much more of the pie compared to
1: now. Sure, but isn't this like a what you're describing sort of a win-win situation? I mean, yes Where and no. Because both, the, both the business and the employees win. What is yeah, the problem with that?
0: Well, yes and no, because... A, the jobs may be exported to another country, which would be a problem for the locals who would have otherwise had those jobs. Uh, B, it would be a secondary problem for the locals because you would have now people without jobs and people who are very rich, very, very rich and getting much richer. So in the location, you would get a lot of income inequality. So it's a win for the workers that are remotely. It's a win for Facebook and it's a win for the management team, but for the local society and possibly for the US national society in that sense, if that becomes something that happens very often, like that might be a problem.
1: So it kind of goes back to the to the reason of you know why aren't they doing it now? And now meaning pre-COVID. Like why weren't why wasn't this already happening at a scale? And it was happening to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, naturally, like all these big companies. You know, they, they have offices uh, all over the world and in, in places that are, you know, like India and China and Mexico, yeah. where you know, they definitely pay less for the workers than, than, you know, they'll pay in places like developed worlds, like United States and uh, Western Europe. But why weren't they moving everyone already, you know, and I think part of the, the answer is technology because, you know, it just wasn't, the tools weren't as good. Uh, part of it is time zones, uh, just because if you work for the U.S. market, for example. It, there is certain advantage to having workers in the same time zone, uh, which Mexico does fall in that time zone. But, you know, I mean, like, for example, India is, is totally different time zone. So that, that does introduce a challenge. Uh, but, but but why is that? You know, would that, would the reasons why they weren't going all in on this still remain after I COVID? I think, uh, now, obviously, there's a, it's a complex question,
0: complex answer. For me, one of the main reasons is culture. And the way things are done. So you've established, this is how we do it. And that's how it's done. And change for a large company comes very slowly because you have to change a lot of people's minds. I think that is a big part of it. And that's the same with remote work. So the question becomes, well, if you're already hiring somebody in Utah to do the job for you, why not somebody
1: in Ukraine instead? And if so there are certain challenges, right? Certain challenges. I mean, but the, the reason why they weren't is... One, one of the reasons is talent. I mean, the U.S. has great universities and produces a lot of talent. Just, to, just if you talk about the quantity of talent, it's not very easy to, I mean, Ukraine is just, could be any country, but Ukraine yeah, is I mean, it's I mean, a just cheaper remote Ukraine place, time. not yeah. to pick on Ukraine, but, um, you know, it could be, could be any country, but essentially they don't really have enough workers to, to supply the, the U.S. It's not very easy to find workers that are in proximity with each other, that sort of can work together in the same so place that are that need, many. Why do you need workers proximity with each other? Well, I mean there's that's a that's a whole nother sort of kind of kind of worms of why why you would why you wouldn't. But you know, like we discussed, for certain jobs you you need them, right? Whether yeah. it's equipment or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, for for design engineering, I mean there there are certain productivity arguments that you can make for it. Um, you know, like getting together, working, collaborating in the same place. There's definitely arguments that can be made about losing some of that productivity if you if you work remotely.
0: I mean, sure, but that's that kind of goes to remote work itself. So just also to clarify, sure. we're not we're not necessarily only talking about the tech industry. This is applicable to any industry which does not require you to be there and can be remotified, so to speak. So we're just using the tech industry as a as a proxy for because you work in it, you're familiar
1: with it. So We'd be yeah, but 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 there are certain there's certain other things, right? Yeah, thank you. yeah yeah. It's good clarification. We we're not really talking just about tech industry, but uh, it's it's something we think about a lot. So we we don't pick on the tech industry. I work in tech industry, and we all sort of freaking live with it. But there, there are certain. So for example, there's the accounting argument, uh, where if you hire a hundred people that all live in the same city, versus a hundred people from a hundred different countries, your expenses will be insane in terms of just managing that whole thing with salaries, with laws, with labor laws, with holidays, you will lose immense amount of, and that's an extreme example I'm understanding, but mm-hmm. but I'm just trying to, you know, exemplify, you know, sort of give an example yeah. of what, what will happen. Oh. So some of that exists for sure, where companies don't really want to, the same as in the US, you know, they don't want to set up a shop in every city. Uh, they want to set up hubs because hubs are cheaper uh, because of all these accounting issues there's like expenses like hr and accounting related that have to do with managing more locations
0: because i think for me the point is if we we're talking about remote work then the question becomes like we said before okay why somebody in youtube and i in ukraine and then from that okay i accept part of that is laws part of that is you need some maybe a team to be it would be preferable to be close to each other and you could have some lack of educated workers so with the proper skills however i think we can agree that the world being so large there being so many people you can find those people pretty much in all over the place right i'm sure in china there's huge clusters in india as well brazil like a lot of countries would have those workers so that are relatively cheaper compared to the us you just create a cheaper office in i don't know let's say new delhi as compared to san francisco or even a smaller uh, a small city in India or in china or in kiev for example like why not move you a big part of your projects there or to other locations if you're going so to do some everything project, remotely so
1: some projects might move right i mean just like they have been moving for yeah. for the last 30 or so years uh, we could see an acceleration of that for sure um, i think there's many different factors and it really depends on what industry you're talking about so i think some some of the factors are I mean, I don't want to go into all of these, but essentially regulation is one of them. So if you do certain government work, um, there are often requirements around citizenship and location of both your workers, as well as your, your data, for example, or like financial institutions, hospitals, that type of work. There's a lot of industries where there is actual compliance and regulation that forces you to, to act locally, to, to have to hire local workers. So, so that's one factor against that would prevent some of these jobs. Moving uh, as well, Mm -hmm. and and, you know, there's there's like a number of reasons, but I don't think you know. Just thinking about this, reflecting on the whole thing, I don't think there's a clear-cut answer of what's better versus you know not, or what's possible, not possible. I think also when you say, well, it's easy to find people everywhere, or it's possible to find people everywhere. I think people exist everywhere. That doesn't mean it's it's easy to find them. (laughs) You know, it's it's not doesn't mean it's easy to find them. Finding Uh, is. Actually establishing credibility, making sure these people are legit, that they have certain education. You know, doing a background check to someone in India, like I don't even know how I would do it versus in the US, there's infrastructure for how I can submit such requests yeah, and, and but get that done.
0: To be fair, that is relatively simple to do. We just hire them for six months first. Like, actually, most countries don't do background checks, to my knowledge at least. Like, I've never... Well, in the united change.
1: states we, we do certainly right when i every i time know a job i've gone through yeah that's through that's what i was check, gonna so. say
0: uh in the u.s you always get that or at least to my knowledge you always get that but in a lot of anchor countries, you don't and all they do is say well okay we'll we'll hire you for six months see how it goes if uh, and if it goes well we'll give
1: you a permanent gig or that may be a year or, or two years well you might you clearly understand what's the challenge with that though right <laughs> if you lose six months of productivity potentially you lose all the money and all the time. And so that's not necessarily the most efficient way to to do a background check, is to hire them for six months and see how they do.
0: Uh, well, sure, but I don't know. It's really a US culture thing to do background checks. Because like, you've always, obviously, have the interview. Like through the interview, you would have seen whether or not they're okay. That's the point of the interview. So, and that's why you have their CV and everything. So you, they, you've already vetted them. So then on top of that, to do a background check and make sure that is correct, I oh, don't know. It's a the U.S. is very militant about that sort of thing. I don't even understand why as much.
1: I think for the reasons that I listed it's, it's just, oh. just to avoid fraud naturally, right? I mean, it's because people lie, and you know, it's kind of a human nature. You know, I'm not arguing that it should exist or it shouldn't exist. I'm just saying it does exist for whatever reason, and you know, there's reasons for yeah, and against I mean, it. But I mean, it is a thing that it will prevent this now. It is today preventing this as well. Just like I would say. I wouldn't even zero down on the background check itself so much. I'm not, my point is not about the background check. My point is about verifying that people are not lying, what their credentials are and who they are. It's, it seems like it, it will be harder if you work with countries that you're not physically located and that you're not as informed about. I
0: suppose it would be harder, but you're also saving a lot of money on not paying somebody... I don't know, 150000 a year, dollars. if you're paying them a third of that or less.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, there's certain costs. I mean, There's definitely huge savings. If you can extract the productivity. then I think we would have all lost the jobs when all of us live working in the US. I think capitalism, the way it works, is sort of the strong survive and the weak die in terms of businesses. And so I think it would have been like a no-brainer. If there was no regulation and no compliance and, and, and no... These reasons that we, we talked about that prevent it from happening, it will certainly be like...
0: Yeah,
1: so one aspect
0: I think is um, what that would follow from our conversation would also be um, new or, or changing business, model, business models. So instead of maybe having your full staff remote, a lot more work could go in a gig kind of format where you have a platform through which you hire temporary employees f- to do specific tasks, rather than having
1: somebody on staff. So, do you mean because sort of the 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 gig workers or workers that are temporary, kind of like independent workers that are hired, as opposed to full time employees, yeah, more so, likely to be remote. Uh, yeah, is that so, like how how why would that be a stronger adoption?
0: Yeah, so I think if you m- are starting to move towards a more remote work schedule. It, one one of the things we were discussing is if you uh, can, you may not be able to get your permanent workers remotely or not as remotely. But one of the things you could do is hire gig workers f- remotely from different countries, and in that way, you cut a lot of the problems that you were talking about. So, for example, you're developing a mobile app, and you want 10 characters for a game or something, or just for the app. And you just hire somebody through a gig platform to do those same characters for you.
1: You can, yeah, we can definitely see a lot of that. We've already seen a lot of that. I mean, just definitely hiring a lot of temporary workers to be remote. I think we saw that before COVID.
0: Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Do you think that would be accelerated by
1: COVID? It's a good question. I don't think necessarily it would... Yeah, I mean, you could see that, you know, as people became more comfortable with remote workers, then they might look at uh, who are the current remote workers. And there's a lot of remote workers that are sort of this freelancers or, you know, people that tend to just work independently and just do like individual gigs you know, for companies. So you might see some of that accelerate. Uh, I don't see um, or I haven't seen any data uh, to, to back sort of a, a move away from permanent employees overall. Because you know, to to do great work, you need certain continuity. So I don't think companies are gonna really jump towards these these gig workers or these temp workers as opposed to the the permanent workers that they that they have. Just because building relationships, building a team, and then building a great product out of that or service, I think it's still gonna be just as relevant as it was before COVID.
0: Yeah, well, well, I disagree. Just disagree then. Typically. <laughs> uh, okay, well, to sort of cap the whole discussion, do you have any major takeaways, like winners, losers
1: of the whole COVID and the future of work? Well, I mean, it's just my whole impression of it is that, you know, we'll, we'll keep having accelerated adoption of, of technologies that would enable us to, to do some of the things that we, we did today. I think a lot of companies started today in response to COVID and I think some of these companies are going to become bigger and bigger companies whether it's about remote work or about uh, hygiene that's uh, cheaper or about connecting people and building communities uh, more easily I think we could see some of these stay I think we'll see definitely society transform in some ways I think some of the stuff that you said about the people decentralizing moving away from the cities I think we might see some acceleration of that and just because currently we were all sort of pushing Pre-COVID, we are all pushing towards cities. I think you might see definitely a more permanent slowdown of that. If not, if not moving away, we could see a slowdown of, of the growth of the cities. So, you know, the only time will tell of to, to what extent is this whole, whole thing going to stay in terms of the way we work and, yeah. and the way we live.
0: I mean, the, there definitely is, um, is an interesting point about the future of the city itself as well, separately. Because one thing that happened in New York in the first lockdown in April was that a lot of the rich people moved away or went went to live in whatever villas they have away from the city and they were working remotely. So the city itself lost a lot of revenue, could lose a lot of revenue from taxes, from rich residents. I think that is something that we can talk about in future podcasts as well. The future of the city. For me, I think everybody lost, obviously with COVID. People who... I'm not sure how much we have winners. Certainly people who are Amazon and, and companies like that, like big tech companies are the big winners in terms of work and profits from COVID, especially Amazon. I think a lot of, obviously the, pe- the common worker, especially the low-wage worker was the big loser in terms of the ones who, the retail, again, those ones who are not essential but did need to be there. Like they were furloughed or, or just let go. I mean, Disney itself let go. What was it? Twenty-eight thousand people who worked in its parks because they couldn't open. And those jobs again cannot be remote. Entertainment in general, will or organized entertainment like big studios, big blaster movie, uh, big blockbuster movies, like they would struggle. I think in future as well. With that, we should conclude. Maybe.
1: Sure thing. Thanks for listening, everybody
0: thanks for tuning in everyone if you like what you heard don't forget to rate us like and share you can also follow us on facebook and instagram where we are at pine talks from the whole pine talks team we hope you have an awesome day